selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line from vacay is Ethan Sachs, carving out some time to hang with all you fine folks, even when he's on vacation. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, I kept telling people, I was like, I'm going on vacation, but I'm you know, still going to do podcasts, still going to try and stream, still got to do stuff for Channel Fireball, still got coaching sessions. So but but it's really a great place to be in where that doesn't feel bad to do on vacation, you know, getting to talk to you for an hour about magic. That's that's in uh, the fun category for me. That's not work. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. So I'm uh, I've got the beach like a stone's throw away from me. I'm here in uh, the Outer Banks in North Carolina, and I am very, very excited to have a week away from dreary Pittsburgh. How about you, Ben? I know something exciting happened for you this weekend. Yeah, I am also uh, on fall break, which feels like vacation. I'm still still hanging in good old central Indiana, but not having marching band hanging over my head. That is finished, wrapped up. So heading into concert season after I get back from a week off school. So we'll be streaming uh, and have a lot of magic going on this week. Just a little inside peek into my relationship with Ben. Basically, every, I don't know, six or eight weeks, he'll tell me, <laughs> well, now that this part of my school commitment is done, I should have more free time. And then he never has more free time. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen this time, I promise. <laughs> yeah, the, this is this is a three years running of hearing these promises. So we're, we're very excited to be bringing you another episode this week. And this week, as the title suggests, we're talking about not falling into the trap of landfall in this format. Or perhaps th that's perhaps not quite the way to describe what we're, we're going to be diving into, but just the ways to get into specifically Gruul and Selesnia in this format, which I think can be tricky. I think I think Green's getting a bad rap in this format, Ben. Ooh, hot takes. Yeah, I wrote, wrote an article on uh, Channel Fireball this past week about uh, how to draft Green in the format. Fun fact, Green is my winningest color in best of one. And I've done quite a few best of one, I think uh, upwards of 50 drafts of that on Arena. But it's also my least drafted color. So I feel like I've got a really good sense of like, the reasons to go into green and then I'm having good success with that. So I'm hoping to, to bring that to bear here on the episode today. I'm shocked that you've exercised the restraint to not have it be your most drafted color. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. That is brutal. Okay. So we've got quite a a lot of stuff to get to today, but before we dive into that, some housekeeping things. First things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. It's where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. We are quickly approaching our newest stretch goal, Ben, to have a bonus episode each month. How does that feel? That feels great. Excited to talk to you some more. (laughs) I told my wife that I was like, we're close to another episode a month. And she was like, how do you feel about that? I was like, pretty stressed, you know? (laughs) Like adding another episode free of charge to our patrons, of course, uh, is very, very exciting. I I am mostly excited about that, but it is uh, is more work for sure. But looking forward to bringing some maybe some cube episodes, some more interview style episodes, all that good, good stuff. But uh, otherwise, on the Patreon, you got a lot of stuff that you get back for giving back to the show, access to our Discord, which we sing its praises each and every week. You know what's just super awesome? I have a lot of people in my Twitch chat that often will shout out how sweet the Patreon is. You know, they'll they'll do the plugging for me, which is nice because I feel I feel like a shill a lot of the times. But the, the the Discord I do think is the best place on the internet for limited tech support. Yeah, while we're gonna shill for the Patreon, I was interviewed by some students that were interviewing teachers that had interesting hobbies outside of the school day. So me streaming on Twitch was one of them. And they asked me what I was most proud of about my stream or whatever in the podcast. And I thought for a while, because there's a lot of things I'm proud of, but I think the thing I'm most proud of is how good of a community it is. Like we just have tons of good people. I think you and I don't put up with nonsense in our streams and we've created a great safe space for people to discuss magic. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So each and every week, we also want to shout out our new patrons who are welcoming to the fold this week, Alan, Nick, Luis, Eddie, Leo, David, D. Jurgen and David P. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. This podcast is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball. For anything magic related, please head on over to channelfireball.com. There's a lot brewing over at CFB these days. They've got Clash tournaments. If you're into standard, that sort of thing, please go check out CFB Clash. You, Alex, and I also have all of our deck guides up for all 10 color pairs for Zendikar Rising Draft on CFB Pro. Plus our other articles on how to draft Zendikar. Those come out approximately once a week. CFB is also still running U-Box We Buy. So if you've got some cards laying around that you want to turn into store credit over there, box them up, ship them on over to CFB. They'll give you an offer. And if you like it, you accept. You get some cash in your pocket. If not, they'll send the cards right back to you. So for anything that you need, if you're going to pick up some packs to draft with, some singles, whatever you need, Please use code LOL, all caps, whenever you check out at CFB to let them know that we sent you there. Ben, I have a secret to tell our listeners. You already know the secret. But speaking of standard, I've been playing some standard off stream. Oh, such a dirty, dirty secret. <laughs> I know, it really is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I've I've been jonesing for some some high level competition. And it feels like the only way to do that these days is is playing constructed. Yeah, that's a sad state of affairs. Watsy, please listen and get this man some high high stakes limited events. Yeah, I mean, aside from, of course, the Lords versus resources showdown that we are very much looking forward to a rematch for. But anyway, that that will be coming with another set. So let's dive into some uh, general thoughts about the format before we uh, look at Gruul and Selesnia specifically. I wanted to discuss or perhaps give an up update on our thoughts on modal double-faced cards because I think we came in hotter than the sun on these and I think we've cooled quite a bit on them and so I wanted to ask were we too high to begin with Did, were we wrong about these cards I don't think so personally I think where where I've landed is they have significantly diminishing returns unless you're abusing them in the some of the Nile landfall decks that we're t- about to talk about with ways to recur them but I think the first two to three copies of MDFCs that you get 
are very, very, very important to your deck. I, I definitely want to end up with two to three. I'm not so worried about three plus anymore. I think that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I also was thinking about them in the context of the set, you know, especially with I think it's just from talking to you a few weeks ago about how much you're thinking about the signals you send. And that just really clicked with me. And I've been thinking about that a lot, like being really happy to go, look, I am just going to pass this black removal spell, black removal spell, cleric card, and just know that someone, maybe it's not immediately to my left, but someone is going to end up in clerics there. And then I get to hopefully reap the rewards of carving out blue, red wizards, and they ship me the goodies, you know? So I was thinking about if it's in the context of the set, like, is it just that the tribal aspect of the set leads you to carve out your lane more? And that means the MDFCs, because they're intrinsically powerful, but are not necessarily archetype payoffs or enablers or whatever, that those aren't as high picks anymore. I think there's also that. And I do think there's different tiers, right? Like we were pretty hot on all of them. And there are definitely ones that I do not prioritize anymore. Like the act of treason one, I could care less, you know? Yes. Like initially the act of treason one and the fling one were equal in my mind. And the fling one is much, 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 much better than the act of treason effect. I will second that sentiment for sure. And then in the same sense, I was thinking about, you know, if MDFCs were in something like Dominaria, that is much more about raw power level if they would be as high picks as we initially thought. And I think, yes, I think the tribal aspect does um, change where they fall in my pick order these days. Oh, 100%. And then you could run like 22 lands in your decks in Dominaria and never miss your fifth and sixth land drop. Right. That was already an 18 land format. Could you imagine? Yeah, you would just be thrilled to have like a split of 28 spells, 22 lands, that sort of thing. For sure. So beyond that, I wanted to look at some specific cards. You know, we were throwing around what we wanted to do with this episode this week. And I was like, oh, maybe it'd be sweet to talk about a bunch of rares like that we've had a chance to play with. But there aren't that many that are super interesting or super non-intuitive in my mind. But we'll, we'll touch on a few here. But I wanted to start with some commons with Cliffhaven Kitesail. This is the flying equipment. You know, uh, Alex, early on in the format, sort of figured out this little like three card combo of putting Cliffhaven Sellsword into play on turn two and then Core Blade Master and Cliffhaven Kite Sail on turn three and attacking for six points of double strike in the air. And that's a pretty sweet combo. We'll talk about Blade Master in a second. But Cliffhaven Kite Sail is just good, right? This card is not wheeling. I think we over and over see this effect overperform, right? Cobbled Wings, Wings of Hubris and Theros bringing you to day two in GP New Jersey, that sort of thing. I think these effects are just plain good. Yeah, I agree. This card, I keep wanting it to wheel and it just doesn't. Yeah, I, I've been just having to suck it up and, and eat my vegetables as it were and, and take it like, you know, pick three or four and pack three when I'm just like, I know my deck wants this effect and I can't afford to not have it wheel. You're only really excited about it in Red White Warriors though, right? I don't know. I feel like there are even like dumb green decks where I feel like I'm worried about, well, I can clog the ground, but then how do I win? Or am I soft to flyers, etc.? I think I think the kite sail just overperforms. True, like in the Selesnia deck that's trying to go tall. Yeah, it's like I, I got to get my Prowling Felidar through somehow or else they just chump it infinitely. Yeah, that makes sense. Next up on the list is McKindy Ox, which is a card I think both of us don't really play very often. But when it's on the other side of the battlefield, it is terrifying. So maybe we need to move it up in our pick order a little bit. It definitely makes your life awkward. Yeah, well, it's so hard. I mean, especially we keep talking about this problem in, in formats again and again about cards that are CMC four or greater. And especially in this format, you know, you think about what's at five CMC. Well, in white, of course, like if I'm in white, I better have some Shepherd of Heroes in that five trap slot. And if I'm pairing it with red, I hope I have like a pyroclastic hellion or if I'm partying, then I'm probably going to have to play one synchronized spellcraft, etc. So I feel like I, I just rarely have room for it. But every time I see it, I'm always like, oh, that's a problem. 
that makes it really hard for me to continue to race because I'm just scared of whatever damage output they can do with a landfall trigger, you know? Right. You just can't necessarily reliably block it. It essentially when it comes down, it says you must race almost. Yeah, you must race or you are not attacking until you remove that creature. <laughs> right. All right. I got to talk to you about mind drain, Ben. I keep getting absolutely destroyed by this card. Like I think when I streamed on Friday, I think six opponents in a row cast it against me like and it always gets two cards it like ruins my game plan i think in this format in particular because both lands and spells are valuable to you it like is always getting cards except when you know you have only one card left or no cards left um have you played against this card yet i have played against it some twitch chat is in love with it they keep telling me to try to put it in my deck i don't know i don't love it just lola man yesterday when i was streaming said he was really high on it once one copy in every black deck i don't see it myself the rules are right if you keep losing to a card you probably should be moving it up in your pick order or or at least having a higher evaluation of it. So both McKinney Ox and Mind Drain feel that way to me, but I just like can't wrap my head around running Mind Rot main deck. Yeah, I don't love it. Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I will tell you I am getting wrecked by it. Next up on this list is Skyclave Squid. This card is just a rock solid two drop. It's good blocker, you know, blues tempo oriented if you're hitting your land drops. It attacking for three, you know, subsequently over three or four turns can also be great. I think this card is A plus filler. And that's a new category, A plus filler. That's so good. Yeah, I'm I'm. <laughs> so impressed by skyclave squid i like and, and and especially the intersection of how good it is versus how late you can get it in the draft currently is awesome like getting a skyclave squid to wheel just feels amazing agreed next up is core blade master i finally finally had the chance to play with this card in a red white warrior equipment deck and it is nutty i think it feels currently like the strongest pull into warriors for me at non-rare like over the red white gold uncommon over the relic axe i think this is the key to that deck that goes kind of late too i think in drafts generally yeah i think that's true but it, so i am now moving that firmly up in my pick order and also thinking about it as a window into the red white deck yeah that's good to know next up on the list is ancient green warden ethan would you would you mind reading this this next thing here yeah my my sub bullet point here is point for ben my god is this card busted so if you've watched our limited testing meeting videos uh, when we talked about the rares and mythics ben was really trying to put this in i forget if you wanted it in column one or column two i wanted it in column two yeah yeah so that's like a minus territory and i was like is this even better than kazandu stomper and green and alex was like yeah i think i don't i don't really see why this card is so good and you were like i don't know it's busted and i just didn't quite realize that you could play a spell land, then recur that as a land with Ancient Green Warden. And then if you get to pick that up with a Stomper, a Hellion, a Raptor, and replay that spell land, and then it doesn't matter, like along the way, are you double triggering Kazandu Nectar Pots or Territorial Scythecats? Like the card is a house and it's so huge what what gets through a five seven reach in this format right i mean your opponent is just like oh do i have feed the swarm do i have deadly alliance because otherwise i don't know how you're getting this thing off the battlefield you're not getting a big bubble snare it i guess or in here he's binding but then the effect is still annoying yeah the effect is still great and this is like i think one of the draft logs that we have to review today is going to see this as a pack one pick one and it's like a an active there's not a lot but this is an active pull into green and specifically a green mdfc pile deck for sure next up is charix the raging isle this is a really good card this is two blue blue for the o17 crab i think it is right yep and yep. you can pay three to give its power boost equal to the number of islands you control and negative to its toughness as a result of that yeah i i think 
folks seem down on this card. I've seen a lot of people asking me about it. This is like a rock solid B. It's again, it's really hard to get through. And once you're, you know, once you're through the developing stages of the game and you have the ability to hold up three mana to activate this, it's it's really threatening. Think about it as a four mana removal spell for their biggest ground creature until you want to kill them. And in which case it turns into a win condition. What a, what a great way to view that card, Ben. That's, <laughs> I give that an A plus description. <laughs> Thanks. Next up is Nimble Trap Finder. I have really loved this card, and I think it's a reason to party. I've, I've actually gotten to have the party text be relevant a number of times with this. This is the one of the blue two one rogue. Whenever you cast a party creature, or maybe when it's when it enters the battlefield under your control, it's unblockable until the turn. And then at the beginning of your combat phase, if you have a full party creatures you control, turn into scroll thieves. When they hit your opponent, they draw you a card. So two questions here. Yeah. One, that means you've been playing some more blue-white, correct? I have finally gotten to draft blue-white, but also I've just been playing like blue-red. And then like this is just great in blue-red wizards if you've got like a couple pack beasts or whatever. Because you're like, well, all my wizards are going to make this unblockable. So it's just like a 2-1 unblockable a lot of the time. And then I just my as party sometimes. Right, right. Okay, now I have three questions. Question, <laughs> question number two, Pack Beast still continues to go up somehow, yes? Yeah, I've not Pack 1, Pick 1 it yet, but it's gonna happen, I bet. I think I've Pack 1, Pick 2 it. Yeah, I've Pack 1, Pick 2 it as well, but I haven't first picked it yet, but that's gonna happen. Pack Beast is the nuts. It's so good. Yeah, it really does do... Well, the glue cards we talked about last week, it is the glueiest of glue cards. The glueiest of glue cards indeed, yeah. And third question, so now that you've been playing some more blue-white, are you any higher on it? Because I really like blue-white, but both you and Alex were pretty down on it when we were discussing it when we did our YouTube set review. I, I think blue-white is fine. I, it doesn't feel like white adds a lot to the mixture in my mind, right? Like, I feel like the core of it is blue-based because Seafloor Stalker is, I think, the key card at common for the deck. I'm still not really seeing the light on Spoils of Adventure, I gotta be honest with you. Because field research exists, I just don't think Spoils matters. Uh, the three life matters a fair amount. And if you can get it down to two mana for three cards, that matters a lot. I think white does add Shepherd of Heroes, Core Celebrant, and Practice Tactics. Like those all really help you slow the game down. Yeah, I'm not I, like, again, like I said, I don't I don't think it's as bad as I thought it was now that I've actually found myself into the deck uh, a number of times. But I'm, I'm now not nearly as high on it as, say, Red Black Party. Right. I think it's a solid tier two deck. I think, yeah, I, I would agree that it is on average probably better than the two decks we're going to talk about today. Yes. All right. And last on this list, we've got a Relic Robber. This is the two in a red for a 2-2 haste rare. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you give that player an 0-1. 0-0? Mm. I guess it has to be 0-1. <laughs> it would be dead. A 0-0 creature that dies. <laughs> you give them an 0-1 token that at the beginning of their upkeep deals a damage to them. Yeah, it's like the, the six mana Chandra emblem, basically. And it's so funny. I When I put this in the show notes initially, I was like, I don't get this card. And then I actually had a chance to play with it finally. Like I'd seen it in drafts before and never picked it. And then I'd seen it on the other side of the battlefield and thought it was pretty unimpressive most of the time. But then I had it in a in a deck in specifically in conjunction with Sneaking Guide, which I also think is going up in my pick order. I know Alex is also higher on that card these days. It, it can snowball really quickly. Like having that on turn three on the play is quite potent. See, I, I still really don't like it. I do like it, the idea of it, including it in a deck with Sneaking Guide, but I think it's not a pull into red at all, right? No, and that's when I when I took it, it was not a pull into red. I was already in red with like some Grotag bug catchers and bug catchers also really like having a sneaking guide. So I felt like I was assembling some sort of deck that was greater than the sum of its parts with Relic Robber included. Sure. Yeah, I think it's like 
a C. Yeah, I'm a, I might go C plus on it, but I agree. Not a pull into red. Yeah, our show notes changed drastically here. It was like a relic robber. What is this yeah, card? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I think it overperformed in the deck I had as well. So that's probably also what's contributing to my newfound love for it. All right, let's let's move into some discussions about getting into these green decks, right? We're saying don't landfall into the trap here. So to, to begin with, I think no matter the exact order you have, the community at large, I think, is on the same page as the Grixis colors are where you want to be in Zendikar Rising. And then there's a pretty big gap before you get to green and white. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think that's true for me. Although black, I don't know. Black is pretty hit or miss for me these days. It, the removal's so good, but the creatures are so bad. Right. Beyond Malakir Blood Priest, there's not a lot that I'm excited about. Like everything else feels like a secret gold card, you know? Yes. So... I like drafting both green and white quite a bit, but I'm very aware that I'm getting into those colors for the right reasons, and those reasons don't begin at common, right? Unlike the black removal, royal eruption, Grotag bug catcher in red, or you know any number of things into the royal and bubble snare top of the heap in blue, there aren't commons that pull me into white and green. Well, and there aren't even a lot of uncommons and rares. Like if you really want to get down to brass hacks, the list of cards that push you into drafting a Naya landfall deck are pretty small. And it's more a result of you can't draft these other better decks because people ahead of you are drafting them. Yeah, I agree. It, it is often feeling like, oh, no, it's pick six and I don't feel like I have a direction or I don't feel like the lanes I'm trying to carve out are open. And so I'm going to try and backdoor and take this reclaim the wastes or this prowling felidar or whatever. And and maybe that's the that's probably the worst way to get into those decks. But that does happen sometimes. So I'd say there are certainly rares. There are MDFCs, and I think green and white, well, green has a lot of good ones. Red has good ones. White has some really good ones in takedown, and then beyond that, okay. And some signposts on commons that encourage me to carve out my lane for these lesser color pairs. Like, while I like green more than white, white probably leads to better decks, black-white clerics being the best, followed by red-white warriors, with off-ramps of red-white, black-white, blue-white party. Green's best deck is blue-green kicker, but then beyond that, you're going to run into trouble because... Green's commons are so weak, I think, period, but also go in vastly different decks, right? Depending on the deck you're drafting, you're going to want different green commons over others. So are you in your color rankings? You know, you said you like green more than white. Do you have green ahead of white in your color rankings? I do. Yeah. See, I think I'm flip flopped. I think I green is what I want to do the least, mostly because it just doesn't party so well. And I, I find myself going after those tribal decks so much that it's it's just difficult for me to get into green. Yeah, I, I think that's totally reasonable. I I mean, as a surprise to no one, I like the flexibility of green as a base for multicolor good stuff decks, because when I don't have a streamlined deck, that's the thing that I feel most comfortable drafting beyond that. You know, I'm not saying that I don't like backdooring into the party decks either, but I think the, the green decks are perhaps at a nice intersection of a deck that I like more than others and others are underrating green and so i can maybe reap some rewards there yeah that makes sense so let me ask you this just in regards to green and white of the white color pairs i'm pretty happy drafting black white red white or blue white not thrilled with white green generally so three of the four i like mm -hmm. in green i'm generally only happy drafting blue green is do you think i'm just underselling green red and green white there well so i think it's just less about thinking that green white green red or even green black are like different decks when you get down to thinking about them under the umbrella of mdfc value pile multicolor stuff like they're all going to be base green and then it just depends what modal double face cards you have what good removal you're seeing what what is the second color that seems open to you so I, I agree with what you're saying, but it's also like the difference between those decks isn't that large for me. 
Right. Gives you a little more room to create when you're base green as opposed to having streamlined lanes like you do with white. Exactly. That makes sense. So I think part of the trouble with red green and white green specifically or these, you know, non blue green decks that are green is that they don't have clearly defined lanes like the other color pairs do. Right. Red green can be landfall aggro as sort of you know, emphasized by Brushfire Elemental. Green-white can be landfall or plus one plus one counter synergies as sort of emphasized by Marasa Rootgrazer. But both of these can be mid-range MDFC value piles. And I think the trick or the, the problem that folks get into with these decks or perhaps the reason that green feels clunky or bad for a lot of people, and even if, you, you know, even if it is the worst color, I don't think it's like unplayable or anything. Um, I think the trick is, and we can probably see this moving forward for other formats, but it feels quite specific here, especially when you're thinking of towing the line between dedicated tribal or party decks is really checking in at every pick about what you imagine your deck is going to look like at the end of the draft and making the pick that's appropriate for that deck you envision at that point and and adjusting as you go with each pick if things are changing but i think that's important here i see a lot of like you know i i don't really think you should be running a red green deck that's got kazandu stompers and akum hellhounds i think that feels a little like there's tension there you know yes 100 percent. not to say that i haven't done that myself but do, <laughs> do as i say not as i do you know lol so what are some cards and it's a pretty short list you know you talked about there's not a lot that pulls you into Naya at common or uncommon. What what are you looking at here? Yeah, I've got a list here, and I'm, I'm curious to see if there's anything you can think of that's not on this list. But for me, it's the Naya MDFCs, like getting a lot of Naya MDFCs when there aren't tribal cards to go after. And I'm talking about the good Naya MDFCs, like your Akum Warriors, your Kabira Takedowns, that sort of thing. Fearless Fledgling. Except that's awkward because it's just going in any white aggressive deck. Doesn't particularly incentivize you to draft, you know, Celestia Landfall or whatever. Skyclave Geopede, again, same deal. Like I'm putting that in any red aggressive deck. You know, even if I'm partying, I'm playing Skyclave Geopede. It's just a good card. And then late Kazandu Stompers, Hellions, and Tazim Raptors. And by late, I mean like wheeling them or getting them, you know, pick eight or whatever. I think my most common route into this deck is like, I first pick an MDFC and then second pick an MDFC and then third pick, maybe take like an on color card, like a removal spell or something that pairs with those two MDFCs. And by that point, I'm like, I don't have a direction. And so the direction becomes MDFC mid range. And then sometimes that will backdoor me into, well, I've been dra- like, I'm starting to see red green be open. And then I see a late brush fire elemental or I'm seeing like a Coombe Hellhounds wheel And then I go, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be drafting this aggressive version of this color pair instead. That's generally how I find my way into these decks. And it's it's not through like otherwise, like it's not like blue black where I'm thrilled to first pick a soaring thought thief and try and get into rogues if I can. That's not how this deck often works out. Right. And that rare, the only cards the incentivize you to really do this are Phylath and Ancient Green Warden. There's there's not a lot that makes me excited to draft this deck. I would throw a, f- a few others on this list. The, a couple that come to mind right now are Ashaya and maybe Scoot Swarm. Now those are just like going to be good in green decks, but I think are probably maximized in the like green white green red life that's fair but yeah i I agree there's not a lot that makes you go oh yes we're doing it but i I think you want to be aware of what those cards are and i think it's also important to know that that list is short and that you really shouldn't be getting into these decks in the first few picks of a draft most of the time right you you should be backdooring into these decks so i think it's they're an important tool to be aware of but also be aware that 
you shouldn't be drafting these decks very often. Right. I think that's a, a great point. And knowing when and how to is what we're going to try to discuss here today with some of these logs. Right. So first up, we've got Selesnia. So there are two successful versions of this deck in my mind. MDFC value with Stompers and Raptors potentially splashing for some red or black removal via Green's Fixing. Or, and this is much rarer, but we're going to look at a draft log like this, you get a ton of Root Crazers and you go crazy with Landfall Triggers on Fearless Fledgling, Territorial Scythe Cat, and Prowling Felidars. Yeah, I think that's the the version of the deck that is certainly less common. Yes, I mean, because it's so necessary, like the things that have to happen for these decks is two things that are tough, right? One, green-white is the open color pair for your seat, and two, root grazers get opened at the table, right? Because green-white can be open, and then you think, oh, I'm going to do this like aggro landfall thing, and then you don't see any root grazers, and that's a bad time. Yes, for sure. So let's take a look at this first draft log here for the green-white aggro life. Um, pack one, pick one. We see the following cards as options. There's uh, Gnarled Colony, Shepherd of Heroes, and Tazim Royal Mage at common. In the uncommon slot, we've got a card that I, I'm interested in talking about here, Skyclave Pickaxe, single green for an equipment. When it enters the battlefield, auto-equip it to a creature. Landfall, creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn, and it has an equip cost of two and a green. I have liked this in green aggro decks. I have yet to cast it myself, shocker, because I, I have not drafted green landfall decks much. Um, certainly not the very aggressive versions where Skyclave Pickaxe would be great, but I have faced it down. It's pretty scary when Skyclave Pickaxe goes on something like a Fearless Fledgling or some other cheap flyer, you know, on a Tazim Raptor or something like that. It pushes a lot of damage. Yeah, or, or Territorial Scythe Cat with that trample, you know, and then Landfall is now giving it plus three, plus three per turn. Um, yeah, I think the card, I think the card is serviceable. And, I, and I've been, you know, much like an Akum Hellhound, it's a card that I like eye in a lot of packs as a if this wheels, maybe that's a deck for me type of deal. Sure. Uh, other uncommon Skyclave Cleric is our MDFC and Relic Axe, the two mana plus two plus one equipment for warriors plus one plus one for any other creature instead, equip cost of two. And our rare is Lotus Cobra, one of the green two one landfall, add one mana of any color. Yeah, I think for me, this boils down to like Lotus Cobra versus Tazim Royal Mage, I think. And I think Lotus Cobra is much better than Tazim Royal Mage. I think it's a, a pretty clear Lotus Cobra here. Yeah, feels bad that like the third blue common is being considered over the best white common and Shepherd of Heroes in the back. Well, that's not even close for me. Is it for you? No, I mean, I'm I'm eyeing it at a certain point. I'm like, how low down the blue pick order am I supposed to take a card before I'm supposed to first pick Shepherd? So it is kind of close for me, actually. I think cunning geyser mage is the line for me. I think I would take shepherd over geyser mage. Yeah, that seems that seems right. All right, next pack. No green cards, unfortunately, to speak of here. Best common is core celebrant. Um, and then the uncommons, we've got Skyclave Plunder, the Draw Spell, Relic Golem, the Mill Artifact, and our MDFC is Black Bloom Rogue, which I think is a, a pretty clear pick here. Yeah, there's a lot of good cards, but Black Bloom Rogue, I think, is the best of them, and we still don't have a direction, so we just want to take the best card. Yeah, and then here, I think, is, is where it gets a little interesting. So we're going to go straight to the uncommons in this this pack with Lotus Cobra and Black Bloom Rogue in our pile, and we see a Marasa Root Grazer, the green-white uncommon. We see a Malakir Rebirth as our MDFC, single black for an instant, choose target creature, you lose two life until end of turn that creature gains. When this creature dies, return to the battlefield, tapped under its owner's control. And probably not in consideration, uh, a Kite Sail Cleric, as well as the third uncommon in the pack. I think it's between Rebirth and Root Grazer here. 
There's a card you didn't mention that I'm kind of eyeing as well. Gnarled Colony. How do you feel about that being in contention here? I think I don't like it. I think if I'm taking a card that doesn't lead me in a specific direction, I'm taking Rebirth to follow up with Black Bloom Rogue, you know? And if I want to take a green card here, it feels bad to not take Root Grazer in my mind. So I I, I have not cast Amarasa Root Grazer yet, but to me, it is not that much of a pull into green-white. Like, I think you would be hoping to... I don't think it's unreasonable to hope to wield that card. Now, un- unlikely, but I think there's chance for it to happen that people are down on green white enough that that could be realistic i don't know gnarled colony performs really well in green black to me if we've got you know black bloom rogue and lotus cobra and we want to steer towards green black i don't think it's crazy to include gnarled colony here personally i think i would be on malakir rebirth to match up with black bloom rogue but certainly i think all three of those cards are reasonable yeah i think the rebirth is you know if you're at the pro tour that's probably the quote-unquote correct pick i think i had just come off a draft where we had passed up on a bunch of root grazers and i was like i kind of want to see if i can do the thing this time and so i took it early i do think it's it's really unlikely in pack one to have any of the gold on commons wheel. I think those are just like going to be things that someone's going to pick up on. And again, I think there's, there's something to be said about like, if I pass this somewhere down the road in the next few picks, someone's going to take this and and perhaps try and make it work. And then that, that makes Lotus Cobra less viable. I think, I don't know. I was was also really excited about root grazer plus Lotus Cobra specifically. Ooh, yeah, that's spicy. Um, so I took the root grazer here and then ba-bam pack one pick four. (laughs) There's another Marasa root grazer. And this is like the rare thing that happens where this is a way you can get into the deck with multiple root grazers. Yeah, for sure. Slamming it. But there's there's a world where you go Black Bloom Rogue into Malakir Rebirth, and then there's a Feed the Swarm in the pack, you know? So I I think that that mono black route is also possible. Yes, and probably a more responsible way to have drafted. But, you know, like as content creators, we have to try to get into some of these less desirable decks as well so that we can talk about them, you know, and actually know what we're talking about. So if we look at the deck list here in our show notes... The deck ends up nutty. We have not one, not two, not three, but four Marasa Root Grazers in this deck. Holy business. And then along that, and then to go with those, double Fearless Fledgling, double Prowling Felidar, um, and then some, uh, and then a Light Splash here for one Royal Eruption off the back of two Reclaim the Wastes uh, and, and two Marasa Sproutlings as well to sort of pick up those Reclaim the Wastes as well, because we're very much interested in making land drops in this deck. Yeah, there's a card that's missing here that I think is pretty important to both Green White and Green Red. I want to pick your brain about this. Mm-hmm. My, my theory is that Rabid Bite goes way up in your pick order once you know you're drafting specifically green-white. Yes, I 100% agree. The The thing about the green decks, and I, I don't know quite if I, I don't know if I saw Rabid Bites in this draft or not, but the thing about, I agree with the aggro decks, but then when you're getting into just base green MDFC pile, that's where Rabid Bite is kind of at its worst, I think, because you're often splashing for better removal spells. But I agree, I would love a Rabid Bite or two in this deck. Right, like to not have to splash for Royal Eruption and just have like three copies of Rabid Bite or whatever and mm-hmm. no Nahiri's Bindings because a lot of times your creatures get big in these green-white landfall decks too. Yeah, for sure. All right, next we're going to take a look at how to draft an MDFC pile deck in Selesnya. So we take a seat at the round table here. Pack one, pick one. You have the following cards as options. There's a Rabid Bite, speaking of. And moving on to the uncommons, that's the only really common that stands out. Moving on to the uncommons, there's a Fastwood Surge, three and a green for the sorcery with kicker four, and you can search your library for up to two basic land cards, put them on the battlefield tapped, and if you kick it, uh, you get two plus one plus one counters on all your creatures as well. 
There's a journey to oblivion, four and a white for the enchantment, costs one less to cast for each creature in your party, and is an O-ring effect, so exiles an on-land permanent when ETBs until journey leaves the battlefield. And then your rare, Kazandu Mammoth, one GG for a 3-3 with landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And if that wasn't enough, it's also a green tapped land on the other side. Yeah, I think Kazandu Mammoth probably also goes on that short list of cards that incentivize me to draft green. And what's really nice about Mammoth is that it can go in either deck, right? If you're an aggro green deck, it's great. And if you're an MDFC value mid-range deck, it's also great. But does it really though? Because you're just playing this in every green, blue, and green, black deck. Like it incentivizes your draft green, not necessarily specifically landfall. No, I I agree. But that's what, but like, I feel like green, blue kicker aside, all the other green decks are kind of the same to me. Yes. I think that's what I'm taking away from our conversations. Yes. And so my thought about when I'm drafting non-blue green kicker is that I just want to make sure I'm, as I said, every step of the way going is this an aggressive deck or is this an mdfc value deck and i like that kazandu mammoth doesn't make me choose yet yes for sure all right so we've got a kazandu mammoth in our pile moving on to pack one pick two see the following cards as options there's shepherd of heroes as a top white common there's a cunning geyser mage as the only blue card in the pack and then moving into the uncommons the rear is missing uh, there's a skyclave pickaxe and mdfc still in the pack there's colony ambush two and a green for the instant target creature you control fights target creature you don't control and a green tap land on the other side yeah it's interesting to think of like what other cards could be in this pack like if the commons weren't also junky or if there was was still a rare or, or better uncommons to choose from but calling the ambush is a fantastic follow-up to kazandu mammoth i just wonder what sort of cards might make me not take it here you know yeah so here's an interesting one how about royal eruption i think i'm still taking colony ambush i think I, I think you're also still taking colony ambush how about if it's a card that pairs better with kazandu mammoth how about into the royal are you more excited about starting blue green i don't think so i think there's a like there's a lot of value to starting with the two green MDFCs, and they're both really powerful. I agree. I think I'm making that same pick. What about, I don't even know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think it's just like, this is a really good follow-up. I mean, I think then it becomes interesting, like, if Colony Ambush is worse, if it's the Florahedron, or if it's Vastwood Fortification, you know, then then I think you can get into some territory where you're like, those aren't as powerful. Yeah, I think Vastwood Fortification, I would still take over those Yes. Common, the Florahedron, I don't think I would. I love that little guy. I know, it is good. All right, moving on to pack one, pick three, with two MDFCs in the pile already. You see the following cards as options. There's a field research as the best blue card in the pack. Speaking of, this card keeps going up and up and up for me. How do you feel about field research these days? I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'll tell you what, I feel, I breathe such a huge sigh of relief when I see my opponent on five mana and they cast field research. (laughs) I just feel like I've drawn a card at that point. Yeah, I think you want at least one of these in every blue deck. I agree. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's not not a lot of great commons here. Um, Taunting Arbor Mage is the only uncommon left. There's two uncommons missing. That's the two and a green, two, three with kicker three. And when it ETBs, if it was kicked, uh, all creatures able to block target creature this turn do so and your rare left in the pack is coveted prize that's the four and a black party sorcery that lets you demonic tutor up a card um, and if you have a full party if it's cmc four or less you get to cast it for free i have gotten to play coveted prize in a deck with zagras twice now and i've been happy about having two zagrases in my deck yeah that seems pretty good 
Yeah. So I think this is just like a really good example of there's no direction in this draft so far, right? Like we're not seeing anything to do, but we're just seeing another really good, in my mind, green uncommon in Taunting Arbor Mage to just keep going down the green route. Yeah, I agree. I think Taunting Arbor Mage is even the best card in this pack, right? Yeah. So feels feels good to pick up a Taunting Arbor Mage here. Moving on to pack one, pick four, the medium packs continue. Yeah. If we take a look at the commons here, there's a Territorial Scythe Cat, the two and a green, two, one trample landfall. It gets a plus one, plus one counter. Uh, Shepherd of Heroes as the best white common. And all three uncommons missing out of the pack. And then the rare still in the pack is Shadow's Verdict. Not a great one. Three black, black for a sorcery. Exile all creatures and planeswalkers, CMC three or less from the battlefield, and all creature and planeswalker cards, CMC three or less from graveyards. Yeah, I think Shadow's Verdict is... A yikes for me. Five, five mana mini sweeper is not really where I want to be at. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, you you know, Shepherd of Heroes is the best card in this pack, but I don't think there's value in jumping ship yet from just staying green. There's a lot of value in staying one color, especially when it's green at the end of pack one, because like I've been saying, I don't really care what other color I pair it with. So then I get to just figure that out in pack two. If there were things that were better than Shepherd, though, here, you would take them, right? You would take a bubble snare over Scythe Cat here. Yes. Ah, uh, Bubble Snare might be the line. I, I don't know. That's actually kind of close. If it's Into the Royal, if it's Royal Eruption, if it's like Feed the Swarm, Deadly Alliance, I think those are cards that I would definitely take. I, I do really think there's a lot of value in just being like, I'm staying green. And Scythe Cat is probably going to be good in either version of green decks, right? If you're trying to go long, you like the landfall creatures that can go tall. And if you're aggressive, I think Scythe Cat is a fine three drop. I don't know. I, I, it's close for me there with Bubble Snare. Yeah, I think that was why I picked that one specifically. I think that is an interesting spot to try to toe the line. So rounding things out there, the next few picks, uh, we get a, a red-green dual land out of a fairly empty pack. Uh, pick six, we get a Sejiri Shelter. Pick seven, we get a Canopy Bayloth, which has been terrifying in best of one i don't know that card has been everywhere and it comes down on four so often how have you felt about canopy bayloth recently i don't know i think your, your best of one experience does not mirror my best of one experience <laughs> it is not it has not felt different to me very much than best of three i mean i agree canopy bayloth is a scary card i think it, it's a very well designed card it's nice that it gets picked off by royal eruption easily um but I, yeah, it's tough. Blocking that card is very hard. Yeah. So this is one where you end up in a true sort of MDFC pile kind of deck. Yeah. And you'll see a lot of a lot of my MDFC pile decks, they're base green and Reclaim the Waste is a huge, as we talked about last week, glue card for these decks. Like I'm often playing two or three copies of the card in these decks just because it really helps enable splashes. If you're, you know, you, you really have to rely on raw card quality rather than synergy here and so you'll see six mdfcs we're dipping into black a little bit for subtle strike blood chief's thirst and zoff consumption six mdfcs here and uh two stompers and two raptors to pick them up yeah i think sort of a textbook looking mdfc pile deck and actually this is my first time i think or one of my first times having it be a green white deck and mesa links is a fantastic blocker in these decks Ooh, yeah for sure. All right. What's going on with Gruul in the format, Ben? Yeah, similar to Selesnya. You know, you can do Gruul, Landfall, Aggro, Beatdown, or you can do sort of an MDFC value pile. I think the better version is the Beatdown with Gruul. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to be a value pile, I think I'd prefer to be base green-white just because Red's cards are so good at being aggressive. And similar to Selesnya, you really want to make sure that you're the only person in the deck uh, before you really move in. You should be wheeling brush fire elementals which is the red green gold uncommon i think before you're solidifying yourself in red green yeah it feels like the 
color pair I am the least excited about in terms of its like quote unquote signpost uncommon. I, I keep talking about this, I feel like, but like blue black rogues needs soaring thought thief, I think. To a lesser extent, like white black clerics doesn't need cleric of life spawn or, or relic vile, but it really wants them. Like red green aggro can totally work without brushfire elementals. It's not like an important piece to the deck, but you want to be wheeling those effects like the elemental, the pickaxe, the hellhounds, the geopedes, like all that stuff. You want to see those super late before you're like, okay, this is the deck I'm drafting. Right. And the other thing that you've got here in the show notes that I think is interesting is that you really have to shift your pick orders for both green and red because Grotag Bugcatcher and Ardent Electromancer, which are, you know, top red common creatures are not really what you want to be doing in this deck. Yeah, I've seen some red green party aggro decks like they can exist, but green just doesn't really like green contributes to the top end with the five five vigilance. But along the curve, you don't want to play a one one death touch or a one four reach in your three drop slot like and dauntless survivor. I don't care about as the like two drop you just party doesn't really become the thing. And so for the bug catcher electromancer curve out to be great, you really need to be partying. And I just don't think this is a home for that sort of synergy. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Have you seen the mono red deck that has a lot of Akum Hellhounds and then some cleansing wildfires, the plated GOPs and just wants to beat down. I have not seen that. Is that a thing? I have seen a couple screenshots floating around on Twitter, one in the Lords of Limited Discord. I think it's a very, very, very niche deck that doesn't come together super often, but when it does, is very, very powerful. I have found Cleansing Wildfire to be very clunky. Like I like it more when I like somehow don't get Reclaim the Wastes and I need fixing more than I like it as a way to trigger landfall multiple times. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so let's jump into a Gruul aggro draft log here. So pack one, pick one. Uh, we see you take a Kazandu a Mammoth here. We're going to go ahead and jump over pack one, pick one. This, this is from the time when Arena Draft Logs did not save your entire pack one, pick one. But Kazandu Mammoth, I think you're taking over every common and uncommon anyway. So Except for like Roost of Drakes, basically. Oh, yeah, I would take Roost over Kazandu Mammoth. God, that card is so good. <laughs> All right, so moving on to pack one, pick two with a Kazandu Mammoth in your pile. See the following cards as options. There's a Feed the Swarm, one in a black sorcery, destroy a creature and enchantment and opponent controls. You lose life equal to that permanent's converted mana cost. There's a Vine Gecko, one in a green for the 2-2. First kick spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast. And whenever you cast a kick spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Vine Gecko. There's a Brushfire Elemental, red, red, green, gold, uncommon. And there's also a Black Bloom Rogue as an MDFC, two in a black, 2-3 Menace, and gets plus three plus oh as long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. And then your rare still in the pack also is Coral Helm Chronicler. Two and a blue for a 2-2. Whenever you cast a kick spell, you can loot. And whenever it enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library and you can reveal a card with kicker from among them and put it into your hand. What do you think someone took at common over these cards? I don't know. That's kind of crazy. Maybe a royal eruption? Yeah, it feels like it's got to be like royal eruption or maybe into the royal. Though I don't think people think into the royal is as good as it actually is these days. Which is weird. Yeah, it's weird. So I think if this were pack one, pick one, I would take Black Bloom Rogue out of the pack. But being that we're already in green and and I love Vine Gecko because much like Roost of Drakes, you know, it just has inherent synergies in blue. I think similarly, you know, you would like Vine Gecko to be in blue green, but I think it functions in any green color pair because green has, you know, you've got Reclaim the Wastes, you've got Gnarled Colony, and then, you know, there's Kicker in other colors as well. Like making a Ghastly Gloom Hunter one mana cheaper is awesome. I, I like taking Gecko here as a follow up to the Mammoth. 
I agree. And this is a place early on in the format where we probably would have been advocating for Black Bloom Road, right? Correct. Yeah. And I think just shifting those MDFCs down a bit and giving yourself permission to not take everyone you see. Like my, my goal at the end of a draft at this point is to end up with two to three MDFCs. If I get more, great. But I, like that's I put a premium on that. Right. Getting more feels like then that sort of defines your deck. Getting less feels bad. But then you can still feel good about like, oh, I got a black white clerics deck and I have three MDFCs. That's like the real sweet spot. Right. When you have three and you get the choice to run like 18 or 19 sources, depending on what your deck wants, that's that's when it's really powerful. For sure. All right, moving on to pack one, pick three with a Vine Gecko and a Kazandu Mammoth in your pile. See the following cards as options. There's a Tazim Royal Mage, a Malakir Blood Priest, and a Feed the Swarm as top commons. Also a Core Celebrant here. Card I think is a top common as well. It, here, let, me, let me float this by you. This Someone tweeted this at me and I hadn't considered it yet. Is it possible Core Celebrant is the best white common? 100%. Are you, you're just there. Core Celebrant number one? I don't know if I'm just there, but it's 100% possible. I mean, it's very close with Shepherd of Heroes. I could see it. It's a three drop. It's a 1-4. One 1-4 four. One four is great stats in the format. I'd buy it. The uncommons still in the pack are Vastwood Surge and a Skyclave Geopede, the two in a red 3-1 Trample. Landfall gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Yeah, Vastwood Surge is my favorite. I mean, I love Reclaim the Wastes. Vastwood Surge is my favorite way to fix because it both fixes and ramps, like jumping from four to six, allowing you to double spell the next turn. Like I think it makes up for perhaps how tempo negative it is on turn four, like you take turn four off. And especially with Vine Gecko in our pile, being able to kick this for seven mana instead of eight is a big shift so and again there's value in just staying green in my mind so i like taking surge here this is interesting i would not be on surge here myself there's a, the, i would take royal mage feed the swarm and geopede i think wow. ahead of vastwood surge here i mean maybe i'm maybe i'm too starry-eyed for vastwood surge but i love that card yeah that's interesting i mean i think it sounds like we just have different evaluations of its power level i think i would be on royal mage here hoping to get into blue green kicker myself but i mean i certainly think basswood surge is a respectable pick yeah i i don't know the the moving into blue for tazim royal mage when there are good options and or at least good options in my mind for green i maybe maybe i'm gonna get flamed for this i think i would take reclaim the wastes out of this pack if it were here like over the other commons i would not but i also kind of think reclaim the waste is better than vastwood surge do you not think that's true i don't think that's true i, I think vastwood surge is better i mean you can't like you can't load up on them right like I would take the second reclaim probably. I don't, know, I don't know if that's true. I take the first. No, I don't know if that's true. I think I would take the second Vastwood Surge over the first reclaim. Interesting. Yeah, like I think I, there's like a noticeable gap between reclaim and Vastwood Surge for me. So maybe I'm just wrong about Vastwood Surge. So my thought for taking Tazim Royal Mage here is I think the best thing. So I think in your mind, Vastwood Surge is giving you a lot of flexibility and power, right? Yes. And to me, I'm saying... I think blue-green is the best possible thing I can do with this start, and so I want to go after it pretty hard by taking Tazim Royal Mage here. That's where my head's at. Yeah, that's interesting. I am. I think I am not as in love with blue-green, or perhaps I don't see the delta of blue-green and the rest of the green decks as being that large, save for having, I think, Roost of Drakes. Well, I also think, and it sounds like this is not true for you, I think Tazim Royal Mage is a better card than Basswood Surge. I don't think that's true. Yeah, that is. That, I think I may be too high on it, but it definitely sounds like you're too low on it from my perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. There's not a lot of not a lot of dissension in card evaluation these days. In, in I know it's limited. fun. It's fun. Get my get my uh, the juices flowing here. All right, moving on to pack one, pick four. So we have a Vine Gecko, a Kazandu Mammoth, and a Vastwood Surge in our pile. 
see the following cards as options. There's no commons, really, that I would consider out of this pack. The best and only green card is Scale the Heights. Blech. Moving on to the uncommons, there's a Malakir Rebirth as our MDFC and a Cargan Warleader, which is the red-white warrior's gold uncommon, and Cinderclasm, one in a red for the instant, kicker red, deals one damage to each creature, and if it was kicked, deals two damage to each creature instead. Well, let's talk about Cinderclasm, because I don't think we really have on the show yet. Where are you at on this card? I like it in theory, except I keep ending up in like red, black, and red, blue, where it's largely unplayable. But in a red, green MDFC deck, I'm all about Cinderclasm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Like if it's an MDFC deck that's defensive, that's got like Kazandu Nectar Pots that don't die to it, I think I like it. But I also really want Fisher Wizards as ways to pitch it when it's irrelevant or like a Tormenting Voice or whatever. I don't know. I've, I'm not, I think I am lower on this card than it seems like the rest of the world is. It's a powerful sideboard card and potentially a good main deck inclusion if you build your deck in such a way that it's not wiping your board i think it's narrow but it is powerful i mean and it crushes like you know wizards rogues that sort of thing that's very true very very true yeah i, I got to get some someone went bug catcher electromancer bug catcher on three or, and i was just like cinderclasm bye-bye <laughs> yeah so for this pick i think it does come down to cinderclasm versus malakir rebirth because we can't follow this up with any good green cards and i you know malakir rebirth i think is just head and shoulders ahead of cinderclasm for me Yep, I agree. I would also be on Malakir Rebirth here. So fast forwarding a little bit here after those first four picks uh, to the wheel, actually. So we picked up uh, an Iridescent Horn Beetle, a McKinney Stampede, and a Colony Ambush. Uh, moving on to the wheel, we see Brushfire Elemental Wheel, Pack 1, Pick 10. And Pack 1, Pick 11, we wheel Skyclave Geopede, which is pretty crazy. That's very, very crazy, right? That seems like folks at the table underrating Geopede. But also that's just like... A blaring signal, right? A police siren signal of red green aggro is open. And and you're getting two of the important pieces for that deck late. And you know, we already have other cards that can go in that deck as well, like Colony Ambush and Kazandu Mammoth. Yes, hundred percent. So if we take a look at this deck you've got here, this is a spicy one. Triple Akum Hellhound, double brushfire elemental, double gnarled colony. You have the Skyclave GP. This looks like a dream of a red-green deck. Right. This is also the deck we were just talking about where I was like, you shouldn't play a Coom Hellhound and Kazandu Stomper in the same deck. And yet I have three Hellhounds and two Stompers. So this is sort of towing the line a little bit, right? Most of the spells cost three or less. And then there's there's five, four or more CMC with the two Stompers at the top end. So we've got quite a few MDFCs in this deck, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. So it's sort of an, a split between, but definitely more focused on being aggressive. But yeah, I think the Kazandu Stompers are the cards that look out of place to me, not the Akum Hellhounds. And it's just because you don't have better options in the board. Like if you had better aggressive options, I think you would play them, right? Right. And I will say that sometimes that is a problem with these decks because you are often getting into them so late is that you you might have to make some playable, like we're playing a scale the heights in this deck, which, you know, it's in these decks, I think it's potentially fine as a way to try and double trigger landfall but i would hope to run something different you know i don't particularly care about inordinate rage or might of moras on this deck though they're both fine you know like you're gonna play some cards that you're not as happy about because i think you are gonna be getting into these decks late yep makes sense all right last thing we want to look at here is a draft log for mdfc 
value pile, specifically the gruel variant. So again, before Arena was saving pack one, pick ones, we we don't see this pack here, but we do get Ancient Green Warden, pack one, pick one, which uh, I think except for Roost of Drakes, I would take over every common and uncommon. Yes. Moving on to pack one, pick two, not a lot of options at common, Malakir, Blood Priest, Core Celebrant jumping out. Um, moving on to the uncommons, there's two I'd like to point out. One is Shorefooted Infiltrator, three and a blue for the two, three, Rogue, tap it on tap to Rogue, you control, it becomes unblockable until end of turn, and whenever it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. And Amiria Captain, three and a white for the one, one, Flying Vigilance Warrior, when it ETBs, you put a plus and plus one counter on it for each creature in your party. Have you have you gotten to get someone with either uh, the Spike Field Hazard or <laughs> Subtle Strike with the trigger? In response to the trigger? I have not done that, no. Pretty, pretty nasty. Sure, it feels real good. I think yeah. Ameria Captain looks like the pick to me here, just as the best card in the pack, and we don't have a great follow up to Ancient Green Warden. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming that they don't end up in the same deck, though. I bet if I ended up in Green White Value Pile, that Captain's good. Like the base, the the floor of a four mana two two Flying Vigilance is fine, and I don't think it's hard to like and imagine having something along the curve that could make this a three three. Yeah, pack one, pick three. Commons in contention, Vanquish the Weak, and Tazim Raptor. And I guess shout out to Field Research as well as the, the best options there. Two uncommons, Base Camp, Blech, but Marasa Sproutling still in the pack. Two in a green, 3-3. Three, three. Kicker one in a green when it ETBs if it was kicked. Return target card with Kicker from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, I mean, Marasa Sproutling is just far and away the best card here and goes along with our Green Warden. I think I would snap that up. And moving on to pack one, pick four. This is kind of interesting. Commons in contention, certainly in our colors, are Shepherd of Heroes and Kazandu Stomper. And nothing else that I think would pull me out of green or white at the moment. Yeah, I think... This is there's a lot of options in this pack. Oh, yeah. What is catching your eye here? Malakir Blood Priest catches my eye. Hellion catches my eye a little bit. Relic Axe catches my eye a little bit with the Ameria Captain, although there's no world where we're moving off green at this point. I don't know what I would take here. I mean, like Kazandu Stomper is the most appealing, but we don't really need another six drop this early. I'd be tempted to take like I'm unexcited enough about all the high CMC cards here that I'd kind of be tempted to take Malakir Blood Priest and see what came as a result of that. I don't know. There's there's not a great option here, I don't think. It's an awkward pack. A lot of good cards, but not a lot of good cards that go along with Green Warden and Sproutling. Yeah, I ended up taking Shepherd of Heroes here. And, and basically, I think at this point, I was drafting two different decks, right? I was thinking... I have the option to draft a base green value deck with Green Warden and Sproutling, or I'm drafting a base white party deck with Shepherd and Captain. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I like that line of thought with the Shepherd of Heroes here. Along the same lines, looking at the next pack, the only green card in the pack is Jiraga Visionary. There's a lot of other better options in Grotag Bugcatcher and Deadly Alliance. And then even at Uncommon, there's a Journey to Oblivion still in the pack. Yeah, so there there are not, again, like it's a little awkward here. There's a lot of good cards in this pack, which is just sort of where you see like green just doesn't necessarily play well with other colors right so we've got a bug catcher here that's unexciting we've got a deadly alliance here that's unexciting and normally those are great cards and they're just kind of walled off if we're hoping to play this sproutling and green warden but i think with what we've got going on the card that pairs the best with what we've got is journey to oblivion and it is a good pickup you know we can play it in green white we can play it with our white cards and abandon ship on green so i think i would land on the oblivion here right yeah and i think that's true and i think it's just important to think about the deck you envision ending up in you know if we were to end up in red white party i would much rather have bug catcher if we ended up in black white i'd rather have deadly alliance than journey to oblivion but with what we have i think journey to oblivion allows us the most flexibility and i think we'll be good in a base white party deck 
and is also very easily splashable if we end up in like green red or green black down the road and want to play that journey yeah so we've got a solid green white start here how do you end up getting into green red so i get into green red with some late signals in pack one being uh, a Kazool's Fury wheeling and then seeing like Arden Electromancer and Grotag Bugcatcher and Fisher Wizard, which, as I said, like you don't want to have that sort of like party package when you're in green red. But seeing those cards late is a, a good signal that red is open. Uh, and then I got a couple of Royal Eruptions in pack two. And as is my want, this deck has my my noted double reclaim the wastes. So I did end up splashing a little bit of white here for a Sajiri Shelter. The journey to oblivion and shepherd of heroes is just a little a little life gain boost as i did run it looks like a, a little mini party package with we have a thundering spark mage and double art and electromancer uh with uh some some party stuff along the way like a tajura snare caster and a marasa brute yeah this is a spicy little brew here a little naya party landfall mdfc action yeah this deck was awesome this i think i went seven one in best of one with this but like one two three four five six seven eight mdfc's double reclaim the wastes meaning i can play 12 basics in the deck it was uh it was a real treat these are i just i love these decks in the format unsurprisingly yeah they are sweet for sure and i think important takeaways from you know talking about this is that again you're not supposed to aggressively go after these decks but when it is appropriate to draft them they can be very powerful options for you yeah i mean i think some of these picks from my logs here are perhaps a little questionable at times and you can see me may, maybe biasing more towards this deck than perhaps we're recommending here but it's just important to know like when it's right to draft the deck and when it's right to move into the deck and knowing those signals, I think is super important. Yeah. And seeing some of the late stuff is the signals, right? That is when it's right. When you're confident that you're the only person doing this, the decks aren't good enough that you want to be competing with other people for these decks. Right. Yeah. If you're like thinking, oh, I think I should be in Gruul Aggro and then you don't see the Akum Hellhounds wheel, just abort that mission completely. Yes. Agree 100%. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you to Salty Pretzels, as always, for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all things magic related, signing up for CFB Pro, buying singles, buying boosters to do some drafts with, please consider using code LOL, all caps, at checkout to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out on Twitch and Twitter. Ben's on fall break, baby. Twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome for him. Twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for me. We're going to see if the internet at this beach house can hold up some hold up to some streams uh you can check us out on twitter under those same usernames and you can tweet at the podcast at lords of limited if you've got any feedback about the show or any questions shoot us an email at lords of limited at gmail.com thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later specifically true
Sorry, did I lose you? No, I'm still here. You're just oh, breaking my... up a little bit. Why? <laughs> okay. No, my uh, my monitor. I just hadn't touched my mouse in a while. My monitors went black, and I was like, oh, crap. Um, <laughs> but we're back. We're live, ladies and gents. Okay. We're live. We're live. We're good. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 